Amen. Well, welcome. Good morning. Glad to have all of you here today. Um, and uh, for those of you here for the very first time, your first time guest with us here. I know several of you have never been here before. So uh, two things. Welcome. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for being willing to take a risk. We know that that is a big deal. It is not easy to try something brand new, go to a new place, new group of people, all that kind of stuff. So thank you. Welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here. We also want you to know, and this is really important to us and we know it's important to you. This is a safe place for you to really dig in and ask the tough questions about your faith, about who God is, about what it means to follow God's word, the Bible, on a daily, relevant, everyday kind of basis, every hour basis. And, uh, and so no matter where you're at with God, if you're here, you believe in God. If you're not sure if you believe in God, if you say, I don't believe in God yet, but I just know I need maybe something different. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, we're glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to dig in and find out the answers to some of those questions. So uh, I have a couple of things this morning. Uh, I brought these two things. These are things that I really get excited about. I'm a sports guy. Uh, as many of you know, I coach soccer at the high school here in Wanakee, uh, one of the JV teams. And so I just, I love sports. I get into sports. I just kind of, I, I love that. But if you look at these two things, obviously, these are two different things, aren't they? Right? You look at this, obviously this being a football, this is Jackson's size, my son's size, youth league football right now. Uh, and then the, here's a, a size four soccer ball, so a little bit smaller than, uh, than what my guys play with. But you have a football and a soccer ball. If you look at these two things, you notice something right away. And what is that? Their shape is completely different, isn't it? Their shape is completely different. What they're made of is completely different. The shape and their, the makeup of these two things could not be more different. I mean, this is, this is just weird if you tried to reverse these. For example, okay, let's say that we tried to play the game of soccer with this. Same rules, same everything, but you're on the field and then you start with this at center field, right? And you're going to play soccer with this. How well is that going to go? Okay, That's just going to be awkward. I can tell you. I've played soccer. Coach, this is not going to go well. Okay, let's, uh, uh, Even worse, let's, let's say you play soccer with like a hockey puck. All right, We're going to play with a hockey puck. Let's kick that thing around for a while. Right? That's just not going to go well. The shape's not right. The, the makeup's not right. Okay, Same thing with a football. What if we tried to play football with a soccer ball? Right? That would just be, okay, go out for a pass, you know. Like, it's just going to be awkward. Or like a tennis ball or a golf ball, right? We're not going to play football with those things. Why? Because it's not a football, okay? The shape, in other words, determines what these are supposed to be used for. The shape determines what we are supposed to do with these things. The shape tells us what these, the purpose of these things are. Well, today we're going to wrap up our why series, these questions, these big questions that we've been asking. And today I want to ask the question and answer the question, why are we all so unique? Why are we all so unique? Why is every person unique to you? Why are you the only you in all of the universe? Not just at this time right now, but in all of history. Why are we unique? And specifically how we're going to do that is uh, there's this guy named Rick Warren, and he wrote this, uh, well, 
pretty popular, pretty famous book called The Purpose Driven Life. And in that book, he spends a couple of chapters, just two specific chapters, and he talks about people's shape. Right? Not like the, the physical shape, but I'm talking about the shape. What makes them them? What makes them who they are? And he spends a couple of chapters talking about this word shape. And so what we, I want to do today in answering the question, why are we so unique, is we're going to use this word as an acrostic. And this is what actually Rick Warren does, and it's brilliant. And so I decided to just kind of take it, run with it, steal it, right? And we're going to use it, but you know where it came from, right? So you can check it out yourselves. Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. But he uses this acrostic called shape, and each one of these letters stands for something. Five things that God has put in you that makes you you. These are five things, five areas that God has given to you that should tell you something, just like this football and this soccer ball. It tells you about your shape. It tells you about who you are and why you are the way you are. All right? So it tells us, you, it tells us about our shape. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, we are God's masterpiece. If you actually look at the original language, the Greek, it's the Greek word poema. We are God's poema. We are God's masterpiece, his work of art. Okay, sometimes we don't feel that way. Wouldn't that be true? Sometimes we don't feel that way, but we are a masterpiece, a work of art of God. He, God, has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What is this verse really saying? It's saying that we are a, a really a work of art. We are a masterpiece. It tells us that God created us, but it also tells us that God, before we ever were born, planned some great things for us, and he created us to do those great things. And so we're going to spend our minutes together here, worshiping God, spending time talking about what our shape tells us about what we should be about, what we should be doing in life. So let's jump in. S in the shape stands for spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Now, maybe you've heard of these a long time ago. Maybe you've heard of these throughout your whole life. Maybe this is the first time you said, I've never heard of that. That sounds weird, right? Spiritual gifts. I mean, I know how to get a Christmas gift. I know how to get like, you know, jeans or whatever, you know, but I don't know. What is this spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is very specifically or very simply a gifting. That's why it's called a gift. Right? Something that God gives to us that literally is from God. It's not an ability. It's not like I can throw a football well or I can play the piano well or whatever else. It is a spiritual gift. It is something that is given by God. It is not something that we can earn. Okay? You don't, like, if you're, if you're a good person, if you, if you really follow God's word, like, he gives you a better gift, right? Or he gives you this gift, like, I want that gift. And, well, if you work hard enough... Right? It's not like that. These are gifts. They are given freely. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, God gives us spiritual gifts. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 7, this is what it says. It says, God, or He, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Every one of us, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender to God, he gives us a spiritual gift. It might be that we're really good at sharing our faith with people. That would be called evangelism. 
For some of us, we're really good at teaching. And I'm not just saying like career-wise, that's, of course, that would definitely apply career-wise teaching, okay? But maybe you're just good at helping other people to know what you know, to learn what you already have learned in a skill or an ability, and you're just really good at imparting that. You just can pass that along to people really well. Did you know that a lot of, there are a lot of people that don't have that ability, by the way, I had a lot of college classes from professors who knew more than anybody on the planet about a certain thing, but dear goodness, they were not teachers. I know, because I didn't hear half of what they said, because I was going, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I'm star. You know, on my, my notes have scribbles on it, because I was drooling, you know. Why is that? Okay, and, I, and by the way, I had a lot of amazing professors. I mean, amazing professors. They knew their stuff, but they also had the gift of teaching. They could impart it. I just I picked up so much from them because they, were ama- they had the gift of being able to impart skills or knowledge. Okay, we have the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching, spiritual gift of administration, serving, generosity, healing. These are all spiritual gifts that God can give to us. So we might be good at these things, but these gifts are given to us for a reason. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Here's what I find a lot of times that people do. They use what God has given them. And this is going to be a theme that we're going to talk about throughout the whole morning. Okay? God gives every one of us all kinds of great things, wonderful things. Spiritual gifts is one. One thing that we need to make sure, if you pick up anything, this is, I hope, one thing. God has not given you good things and the ability to do things and this, all these great stuff and a spiritual gift in order for you to exalt yourself and to be better and to make money and to do this and to write books and to become a blogger and all that kind of stuff and promote and get 147 likes on Facebook. It's not why God gave it to you. He gave it to you so that you could give it away. In fact, God gave everything he gave to you so that you could give it away. He never gives it so that you can suck it up and be bigger and greater and more comfortable. That is an American version of the Bible and it's wrong. God gives us spiritual gifts so that just what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 there, he gives each one of us this gift so we can help each other, so that we can build each other up. But then there's 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, this may not sound like much, but this is really important because here's what happens. We tend to think of the spiritual gifts that God gives to us like it's a buffet, Right? We're like, well, I'll have a little bit of this, a little bit of mashed potato gift, right? A little bit, of, right? And, and we, we kind of reach under the sneeze guard, right? And we're like, oh, I want that spiritual gift, right? And we do all that kind of stuff. We, we think that like, we get to do this. It has nothing to do with our decision. God alone is the one that gives you your gift. And by the way, he doesn't mess up, right? Sometimes we think we're like, man, I, you know, they got that one. It seems like I should have that one and, and they should have mine. And God didn't mess up. And you're like, oh man, I, I, I switched the wires. No. God doesn't mess up. 
And so we get the spiritual gifts that we have and they are given to us directly by God, by the Holy Spirit for us to use to help each other up, to honor God and to build others around us. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a couple of problems with this because I think that this, and this is really important to talk about because as a church, this tends to be a couple of main problems that we tend to find with spiritual gifts. Okay? In fact, I've been guilty of probably both of these. The first one is gift envy, and the second one is gift projection. Okay? Gift envy, spiritual gift envy, is when we don't like our gift or we think somebody else's gift is better than ours. It's gift envy. It's like, oh man, they are such a good evangelist. Like they share their faith. They tell everybody about Jesus. They don't ever stop talking about Jesus. They just, everybody knows Jesus because of this person. I wish I, wish I had that boldness. I wish I had that, that gift. I wish I had that thing. Okay? Or, or administration or teaching or whatever the case is. And we look at other people and we start to compare. It's interesting that Laura said that. I had no idea Laura was going to say exactly what she said today had a gist of what I thought maybe she was going to say, because sometimes we talk. We do, do live together, right? Every now and then we talk. It's good, right? But, but I didn't know she was going to say that, how we compare ourselves to each other. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to each other and compare ourselves to God and make sure he's pleased with us and not worry about everything else, because then everything else lines up. And so our spiritual gifts, we sometimes have gift envy and we, we want what other people have. The other one is gift projection. And this one might happen just as much, if not even more often. This is when we project the spiritual gift that God has given to us and we project it onto other people. All right? This is, so how this works, this is why this gets ugly. Okay? This, what happens with this, if we do this, is we get upset. We get offended when God has placed a ministry on our heart, right? Something that we feel very strongly. God wants us to do this. He wants us to help the homeless. He wants us to, to help the, the, the widows. He wants us to dig in and, and help those who maybe uh, are hungry and, and need more food and all kind of stuff. Maybe food for kids. That, that resonates with you. And you're like, oh, we need to do something more. We need to do even more about that. We need to do a food drive like every day. Right? And you just get really into that. And then you start telling people about it, and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm busy. I'm not going to do it. Right? And you get angry because you're like, God has called me to do this, and God needs to call you to do this. And you get mad because you're like, I'm doing this, and nobody else is doing this. God has called you to do that. That's all you really need to know or worry about. Because when we try to project our gift onto other people, we're just going to be mad when the other people are not as excited as we are about it. And so we've got to stop having gift envy and gift projection. We need to worry about what God has given to us and use it to honor God and to help other people. All right, second letter, H. H stands for heart. Age stands for heart. This is the passion. These are the desires. In fact, the Bible and us, we describe the heart. When we love something, we describe our heart, don't we? We say, man, I love that with my whole heart. Oh, my heart breaks for that or my heart longs for that. I just love that with all of my heart. 
right? We use the heart, and the Bible actually uses the word heart, the term heart, to describe when we have this bundle of desires and dreams and hopes and passions and excitements. That's what the word heart is describing. But all of us have been given a different heart. Now, I know you know that physically, right? We all have, I'm not using your heart, you're not using, this is a good thing, right? But we all have been given different heart for things, for passions, For example, let me illustrate this. We all know this is true, but let me illustrate how powerfully, how strong this is. Okay, let me show you the first set of pictures. Okay, if you look at these pictures, all right, yeah, I knew the oohs and ahs would come out. That's what I just, I love that. We have to get those every now and then, right? Okay, some of you are drawn to one of those, like your heart just goes out, right? Some of you are like, oh, the puppy, oh, I just, you want to, you just want to rub it on your face, like, or something. That'd be weird, but whatever, you, your thing, your heart, right? Some of you, you look at the kid and you're like, oh, the little kid, I love cats, I just saw that. Some of you, you want to take both of them home yesterday. Like, as soon as you saw it, you're like, in my house now, like both of those, I have to, I can't help it. I'm going to call, where, where do these pictures come from, right? Like, it's just because you love animals. Like, your heart's not drawn to one or the other. Some of you, you're like, oh, makes me sick. I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> Right? You get visions of plastic bags and having to reach down on walks. and You know what I'm talking about, do the reverse thing. Yeah? Right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want nothing to do with that. Right? You, because our heart, some of you, your heart goes out, and some of you, your heart goes, oh, sick. Get me away. Right? Why? It's because God gave you that heart. Let me, let me give you another example. Go to the next one. All right? Some of you love history. Some of you love math. Some of you hate both. Right? You guys know where I fall on this, right? Math, not so much. Right? Because why? Because your heart is drawn to one or the other or neither one. Right? Let me give you, let me give you another example. Okay? Uh, mountains or the beach. Right? You guys know which one I'd pick. I would never pick the beach. I, me laying out in the hot sun, sweating, so I have to lather up. Just the fact that I have to say the word lather tells you I am not choosing that as a vacation. Because as a guy, lather is just an evil word. Okay? It just is. So I'm going to choose the mountains every time. However, my wife, no way. She chooses the beach every time. Why? It's not because we hate each other. It's because God has given us a different heart right? I love the mountains. I dream the mountains. I, I want to go to the mountains every day. I do. It's weird. Why is that? Because God made me that way. All right. Let me give you another couple of examples. Some of you would love to just go hunting, get outside, go hunting, do that. Man, all the, some of you just want to get in a hammock and read a book. And if you're one or the other, you probably think of the other. You're like, oh, you want to do what? Right? All right. I think I have one, one more set. Hey, some of you, you see the, the, the city and you see the people and the energy and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Go to Times Square, do this, all that. It'd be awesome. Some of you, the guy just kind of sitting by himself looking at the city, you're like, oh, solitude, <laughs> lovely, quiet. Why do we long for different things? You know why? It's not because of necessarily the way you were brought up, although it maybe strengthened it or lessened it, but God put in your heart, certain passions, certain things that you are more excited about than anybody else. 
Okay, you guys that know when I've talked about the mountains with you, and those of you that I've talked about mountains, I start getting excited. I start talking faster. I talk louder, right? I'm talking like this. I'm like, oh, and you're like, please back up, right? And it's because I get excited. And most of you look at me like I'm crazy. Like, are you kidding? You're excited about the mountain? Like camping, backpacking, sleeping on the ground? And me, I'm like, yeah. We have passions. We've been given passions and excitements for certain things for certain reasons. Now, I did surfacey stuff, but there are deeper, deeper things. There's an important piece to this. Why did God give you certain passions that are unique to you? The reason is because he wants you to have something great to live for. Something great to live for. In fact, we used a line from Rick Warren's book on our direct mailer. And maybe you got this, maybe you saw it on there, but he says this, he says, you can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. If I were to pick any quotes that our culture, the American culture needs to hear, that would be one. You can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. There are a lot of people living that, by the way. Lot to live on, but not really anything to live for. They look good on the outside. On the inside, they're dying. They're sad. They're mad. They're depressed. They're angry. We've got to live with the passions and run toward the passions that God has put within us. So let me ask you before we move on to the next one. What are you passionate about. I'm not talking about puppies or kittens. I'm not talking about ice cream or cookies, right? We can like those things. We can get excited about those things. I do. I'm talking about what gets you really excited. What are you passionate about? That gives you a clue as to what God has put within you and what you should be focusing on because you love it. You're excited about it. All right, next letter, A. A is for abilities. Abilities. Now, these are a lot different than spiritual gifts. Sometimes they get lumped in with spiritual gifts, but these are something that something everybody is given regardless of whether they turn their life over to God. Regardless of whether they surrender their life to God, these are things that people are just, these are things that you're just good at. These are things that you just get. You can learn them like that. You know, you can teach it to a whole room full of people and you're the one that's going to get it probably first or second. Like you just, it clicks. You get it. It's right there. It's so easy. You're like, yeah, done. Why are we still talking about this? I had it like yesterday and everybody else is going, I don't know what we're talking about. You've got it. Things, that abilities that you are. This could be anything. This could be fixing machinery. It could be woodworking. It could be problem solving. It could be, again, leadership, teaching, sewing, selling, math, talking. You know, some people are really, they have the ability to talk. I think I'm making up for lost time. I used to be shy. Some of us just have certain abilities that we're just good at. Uh, I've used this example once before, but Michael Jordan, right? He's what I grew up. He's one of the guys I grew up watching play basketball. Man, that guy not only has a passion, God gave him a heart for it, but he gave him the ability. 
Because I don't know about you, but it does not matter how hard or how long I practice and work. I'm never going to be able to jump from the free throw line and dunk the basketball in a 10-foot hoop. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to fall on my face every time. Why? Because God didn't give me that ability. He said, you're not going to, Bickle, you're not going to play in the NBA. And I said, yeah, you're right about that. Right? Michael Jordan was given that ability. He just had it. Did he have to work hard for it? Yeah, of course he did. Did he have to practice? Yeah. Was he cut like from the high school team or the middle school team? I can't remember. But he was cut from one of his basketball teams. By the way, that coach, if you cut Michael Jordan, I mean, you've got to just be going, man, I messed up. (laughs) I really messed up. I'm a good coach, but man, I messed up on that one. He had it. And remember, remember there was one year when Michael Jordan tried baseball? Remember that? You know, the highest he got was double-A ball. I think, I think it was double-A ball was the highest he got. He had like a 200 batting average. Wasn't, I mean, he was better than me, but he didn't do that great. Why? Because that was not the ability that God gave to him. He gave him the ability to kill it in basketball, and he did. He had the heart, and he had the ability. Got to find those things that we are just really good at. All right, fourth letter. The letter P stands for personality personality. Our personality, of course, is dictated a lot by our DNA. God created something in every human being called our DNA. We, we learn about this in science, but we don't realize how spiritual it is. Okay? Hear me on this. We learn about it in science. We call it DNA, but it's something that God came up with to create us in a unique way. Let me give you an interesting statistic just to tell you how unique we are. If you were to take all the molecules that have to combine to make DNA, to make a person, the amount of combinations, this is the number that it would be. It would be 10 to the 2.4 billionth power. Okay? Now, I have no idea what that number is, so I had to kind of figure this out. But here's, here's, here's what this would mean, okay? Let me just kind of try to put this number in perspective, the, the amount of combinations that are possible to make you who you are. Okay, 10 to the 2.4 billionth power. If you were to write that number out, okay, not the exponential version, but the actual number, if you multiply that out, you would have to write the number out and all the zeros, let's say you make a zero an inch wide, okay? So you have a zero and each one of them is an inch wide, okay? And you write that number out. That number would stretch, every zero is an inch wide, would stretch for 37,000 miles. That's how big the number is. That's how many possible combinations are in your body to make your DNA. Very simply put, you will never ever find another person that is exactly like you, not even close. Even if you're an identical twin, it, you're not even close. It's not even in the same universe. We are absolutely unique, and your personality is part of that. Now, sometimes we think our personality is wrong kind or not good enough to serve God or to, you know, to do all these things. Sometimes we discount our personality. We think, well, I'm shy, so I can't share 
you know, who Jesus is, or, or I talk too much, or I tend to kind of, I have a loose tongue, I kind of I throw things out there quickly, like, well, I need to reel that back in, right? Sometimes we have these personalities that we, we kind of get angry quickly, or we, we, we kind of discount our personality. And we sometimes think that, that God kind of, maybe we messed up, or maybe we're just not using it well, or whatever the case is. But let me just tell you, our personality your DNA was given to you for a very specific reason to serve God and to serve others. Hey, look at the Bible. Okay? The Apostle Peter, well, the Apostle Paul, he was more of like a sanguine personality. All right? If you read it, look at that, read stuff about Paul, and you're going to find out he was a sanguine. All right? That was the style of personality that he was. Uh, the Apostle Peter was definitely choleric. He was just, he, that's what he was like. He, he was just, you read stuff about Peter, he just, he would jump in and he would just do things and say things and you just go, Peter, back up, man. Like, hold on, everybody's kind of still coming. He's, he was choleric, he was all in. Jeremiah, read the book of Jeremiah. It's pretty clear what he was. He was melancholy. <laughs> he was melancholy. The 12 disciples, their personalities were all over the map. Here's the point, guys. Your personality does not dictate whether or not you can serve God. We make that decision, but that's the wrong decision. Our personality does not dictate whether or not we can serve God. Our personality dictates how we serve God. There is a monumental difference in those two. Not whether or not we serve God, but how we serve God. The way that we honor God. Your personality speaks to that. All right, last one. Letter E. Letter E stands for our experiences. Our experiences. Our past does not define our future. However, our experiences and what we have gone through in our past will give us great opportunity and influence in certain areas because of our experiences. They speak to what God has made us to be. Let me give you some examples of this. Who better to help an alcoholic find freedom than an alcoholic who has found freedom, who has given their life to Christ and has found freedom? Okay? If I'm sitting down with an alcoholic and I say, well, you just, you just need to do three, one, two, three, you know, these five things, these seven and a half things, these things, they're going to look at me and they're going to be like, oh, okay, okay, I can do that. Like, right, yeah. They're not going to listen to me. I haven't been there. I don't know what it's like. Can I still give them the principles of God's word? Absolutely. Will I? Absolutely. Will I love them like crazy? Absolutely. Should I? Yes. But I'm just saying that if it's between me to help an alcoholic find freedom in Christ or a former alcoholic who has already found freedom in Christ, I'm choosing the other person, the former alcoholic, because they're going to know what to do way better than I am. If you've got somebody that's wrestling with maybe God is calling them to adoption, to adopt a child from overseas or maybe in this country out of the foster care system, who better to help them navigate that process than somebody who has already gone through that process? Right? Your experiences show us 
who better to help somebody who has been abused and who knows whatever kind of way other than somebody who has had to go through that and live through that and has conquered that and has forgiven for that or whatever the case is and they found freedom in Christ out of that nastiness. Who better to help somebody that has gone through that than somebody who's gone through that? Our experiences, guys, they help point us in the direction of maybe what God wants to use our life for. In fact, can I tell you something that you're maybe not going to want to hear? It is quite possible, maybe even likely, that your greatest ministry on this planet, your greatest ministry to people, is actually going to come out of your biggest hurt in life. I know we don't like that because we do not want to deal with that back there, whatever that was. But can I tell you that God can take that experience because of sin, right? We talked about that last week. All of this is broken because of sin. But because of those experiences and you come through those things and you surrender your life to Christ and you give yourselves to God and God loves you through that, then what better way to honor what God has brought you out of and through than to help somebody else get out of and through that. One of your greatest ministries could be out of your biggest hurt. It's true. I found that to be true in my life. I've seen that happen in so many other people. They just click, they connect, and I'm like, what is that? That's weird. And then I find out they both had a shared experience that was traumatic, and they helped each other through it, or one person helped the other one get through it. And that is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The things that we've gone through, how God loved us and comforted us, even though we may didn't, maybe didn't even realize it at the time, God wants to take that and help us help other people through that. So why is all this important? Why do we need to worry about our shape? Why do we need to talk about S-H-A-P-E and do a pretty acrostic and all that kind of fun stuff. Why is it important? Well, this is why. Because what we are going through right now on this planet, you and I, our life, you know what this is? This is a practice run for eternity. Did you know that? This is a practice run for eternity. We are going to spend the vast majority of our existence. Did you know you are made eternal? You are made to be eternal. Now, you had a beginning, right? You had a birth. But from here on out, there's no end. That scares some people, but I'm just telling you the truth. The Bible's very clear about this. There is no end to our life. You were created eternal. Our bodies will end. Our bodies are done after a while, okay? But our soul, who, what we really are, who we really are, continues. And so this time here on earth is a practice run for eternity. Here on earth is where we learn to love other people. 
Did you know why one of the reasons life is kind of difficult sometimes? It's because God is allowing us the opportunity to learn how to love. Isn't that great? That's why some people rub you the wrong way. It's because God is giving you an opportunity to learn how to love them. Because guess what? There are going to be a lot of people in heaven. And my guess is we're not going to love every one of those 12 point billion whatever people. I don't know, right? Everybody who has accepted Christ is going to be in eternity with God. That means we better have learned how to love by then. This is a practice run. We learn how to trust God. We learn how to defeat sin in our life. We learn how to pray. We learn how to communicate with God. All of these things happen here on earth. This is our practice run. Our shape determines how we practice. It determines on what field we're on. It determines on what our focus is. And so our shape helps point us to our purpose. So this is how this works. God has given you all of these things, spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. God has allowed those things and given those things into your life so that you can have the greatest ministry that God wants you to have. He did not call me to your life or your ministry. He did not call you to my life or my ministry. Because I'm going to reach a few people but I'm only going to reach a few people with the love of Christ. If it's just me, we are in deep trouble. Deep trouble. If we want to push the easy pastor button when somebody comes up with a hard question about the Bible, and if I have to show up, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to get there every time. Right? Because God has made us who we are in order to have great impact and influence on the people around us. You guys know infinitely more people than I ever will. Think about all the people represented just in this room. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that you guys are involved with. Your shape determines how you serve God and how you serve people. And by the way, that's the main point is that what you've been given is used, needs to be used to serve God and serve other people. So the question I have for you is, what is your shape? Have you determined what you're living for? Maybe that's even a better question. What are you living for? Because let me just tell you what we tend to put in that blank. We tend to put paycheck in there. If you're living for a paycheck, you have missed the boat entirely. I'm serious. The boat is left. You've missed it. If you are, if you put retirement in there, you've missed the boat entirely. Did you know that once you retire, you should be more involved in the things of God because you have more time to do it? I'm not joking here. This is the truth. I know we don't like it, but it's true. We fill the blank in. What are we living for with everything else other than what it should be, which is God only God. If we serve God, we're going to serve people because God loves people. Our purpose in life 
The reason he's given us those things is not for retirement. It's not for a paycheck. Yes, I know we need to make some money to be able to survive and all that. I get that. But if that's what we're living for, guys, if you're doing a job that you hate just so you can make money, my suggestion is you change. Be smart about it. I don't say tomorrow walk in and be like, ah, so I'm done. My pastor said I need to be done. I'm done. (laughs) And then like on Tuesday, I'll get a call and be like, so what do I do now? (laughs) I don't know if that's the best course of action. Think it through. Pray. Allow God to tell you maybe where you should go, what are the next steps. Let's make a plan. You can have a lot to live on and nothing to live for. Got a lot of people living their life, getting to the end of their life, and they realize they didn't ever live for anything. God wants us to live for everything, which is Him and what He's put our purpose in to be. So what is your shape? Have you figured it out? My encouragement to you is, if you're not sure, It's okay if you're not sure. It's okay if you have figured out your shape and you're like, man, I'm doing it. I'm living it. I'm all in. Some of you have, and I know you have, and that's awesome. Some of you have, like, this is blowing your mind. You're like, I've never heard of anything like this. This is crazy to me. That's okay. If you don't have any idea what this is, that's okay. Let me tell you the one thing that's not okay. If you're here, and this, let me tell you the one thing that is not okay if you're doing this. If you don't care about this, or you don't want to find out about this, or you do nothing about this, then you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong if you do nothing about this. If you just say, wow, well, it was a good talk today. Then you are missing the boat. And by the way, that's a big boat. We got to find out what God has called us to be and what God is calling us to do. And we need to run after that. And can I tell you what will happen? Because I am finally like, not only am I in the right boat, but I'm in the right niche in the right boat. And it took me a while to get there. But your heart will just explode in a good way. (laughs) It will literally just burst with passion with excitement, with a newfound vision and focus in your life. You'll, you'll be ready to get out of bed, like jump out of bed. I mean, most of the time I'm ready to jump out of bed. You'll just, you'll, you will find a new level of life that you never knew was possible. You gotta figure out what your shape is. And then you run after that with everything that's in you. Because that's what God created you to be. If you need help finding that, reach out. Say, hey, I don't have a clue as to how to figure this out. That's fine. Come to the, we'll, we'll put you in touch with somebody. I can talk to you, whatever. We'll figure it out. But don't leave it on the table. Figure out why God has made you and live for that. And you will come more alive than you've ever been. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for making us unbelievably unique. 
I'm so thankful, God, that you have called me here to Wanakee, to Northridge. You just, it's amazing. And I know that you are calling every person in this room to great things. You haven't called them all to be pastors, but you've called them all to great ministries, great things to do to have influence and impact on people. God, all I ask today is that people would not sit idle on this. God, help them not to be spiritual couch potatoes. If we are not using what you have given to us to serve and honor you and serve other people, we are missing it. It is being, mis- it is being abused. We are abusing what you have given to us. Help us not to be abusers. Help us to use these things to have incredible influence and impact on those around us. We get excited about what you want to do and what you're going to do. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.